This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your In Good Company, a podcast for like-minded people who want to make smart investment decisions. I'm Maddie and as always, I am here with my good friend Sophie. Hello Maddie, we have got a very helpful episode planned for you today, but before we start today's episode, we'd like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respect to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. So, Soph, we have spoken so much over the past month or so about the basics that we need to know to invest in the stock market. We've talked about how the broader economic environment can impact our investments and how this can be used to spot investing opportunities. We also talked about the company's balance sheets and their income statements and how we can use this information to formulate our opinions about a stock. But Today, we want to talk about where we can actually find this information. We realized we hadn't really covered this. And we wanted to talk about some practical and I guess sort of easy to understand resources, which can help us to identify what we want to invest in. Yeah. In this digital age, we have access to so many resources, like too many, arguably. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like you can just go down, like it's overwhelming. If you Google something, it's like, there's a hundred things you can look at. There's a hundred different opinions. Like it's scary, but You know, we have podcasts, blogs, YouTube, and then your more traditional forms of your newspaper and books, which are also very useful resources. But I also think exposure to too much information can be quite detrimental as everyone does have those differing opinions. And sometimes it really can be hard to filter out like media buzz, I guess, and noise around certain companies. And I guess what we want to like the other big thing about that is, is you don't want too much information to just put you off doing it all together. Like sometimes yeah. it can seem a little <laughs> bit overwhelming. So yes, there, we have access to so many amazing resources, but like don't let that overwhelm you and stop you from researching anything or listening to anything. Mm. So today we wanted to talk through what our key resources are that we go to. And we've also brought in some of our community members to talk about what their research processes look like, just to try and break that down for our audience and hopefully give you some inspiration. So Maddie, if we start with you, what does your research process actually look like when you're buying a, I guess, a stock or an ETF? Yeah. So I guess maybe to sort of paint the picture, I might tell a story about, I think, When I started investing, so I only invested in ETFs and then one of the first stocks that I invested in, I'll sort of share the story of how I got to um, sort of seeing a news story and how that led me to buying. So loyal listeners of this podcast will know that I love cheese. Yes, you do. (laughs) And one of my favorite ways to eat cheese is in a toastie. I had heard this story about how people discovered Afterpay really early and they talked about how they were in change rooms at shops and they saw the Afterpay sticker on the mirror and they saw it at the front desk when they were paying for things. And I 
was really trying to look around me and be like, okay, so what's the next afterpay going to be? Like, what's this thing? <laughs> what's it, what, are, what is around me that I love, that I'm using, that I couldn't live without, you know, that maybe could provide a great investment opportunity for me? And then one day I was making a toasty and I looked down at my toasted sandwich maker and I saw oh bubbles. <laughs> so my housemates give me so much flack for this because Breville was my first investment and they just think that it's weird. But I haven't really explained them, so I will do that now, about how I actually got to this point. So um, I actually heard about a story in the AFR and it was as COVID was sort of breaking out across the mm. world and the headline was something along the lines of like Breville eyes growth as consumers bunker down. And I was like, okay, this sounds good. And they were <laughs> expanding into Portugal, Mexico, and Italy. And like all of those countries are just great. And I was like, I can totally they love see. Teas. They'll be using, making toasties. Exactly. And I, <laughs> I could just really see Breville being a hit there. It just felt right. Anyway, I, I went a bit deeper. Don't worry. I'm not like too bad. But so I researched this AFR article and I started looking around a bit more and doing some research. And then I came across what has become one of my favorite resources for investing. And it's this podcast called The Call. It's linked to a sort of program called Ausbiz. It's an app. It's a website. Um, Check out Ausbiz. But in particular, they have this daily podcast or daily sort of program called The Call. And they get two fund managers in and they take people who listen and people send in stocks that they want to hear broken down by the managers. Oh, cool. And the two fund managers talk about, I think it's about 10 stocks in an hour or something like that. And they break down what they think is the key opportunities, the key risks, and whether they think they believe it's a buy, hold or sell. Oh, awesome. And the reason why I love this resource so much is because when I'm th- looking at stocks, you know, I can really get around a story. I can understand that kind of, you know, the trajectory that it might be on. But it's when it comes to sort of the more financial stuff that I'm just a bit less experienced and I get a bit more nervous. And I find that this program is amazing for breaking down the things like their profitability, how much debt they have. And they talk about that in really simple terms that I can understand. Yeah, And it just sort of helps me to get my head around that side of the investment. So I don't feel like I'm going in blind on that. Yeah. So the call is an awesome resource. Anyway, I wrote in, or I think they maybe spoke about um, Breville on it and they, yeah, I think they said it was a buy and I was like, well, that's done for me. And I bought Then you felt confident enough to buy in. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Lovely. That's a good story. What about you? What is your sort of go-to process? I think I'm similar in terms of the I take in like the environment around me. So mm. looking down at your toasting machine, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't make toasties that often. So maybe that's why I'm not <laughs> buying into Breville. <laughs> but I am similar. I, I tend to be a bit of a thematic investor, which is you're investing in kind of trends that are happening. Specifically, I've been, I have bought into a bit of tech in the past. For work, had to write a paper on 5G. Um, which is like the next network. And it was talking about how we're going to have so many more devices that are going to be connected to the cloud and it's just going to be at capacity soon. So I was like, oh, that's interesting because, you know, maybe we don't have the right cloud capacity. So I started looking into cloud companies and what cloud companies you could buy into um, because they have potential growth opportunities in the future. Similarly, I was listening to a podcast which was talking about and I think this was just a news podcast and it was just saying there's a shortage of like microchips in the world. Oh, I listened to that one too, actually. I remember that. 
Yeah. And I think like it was just a daily podcast. It wasn't me looking into any specific like business podcast or anything. But when you think about it, you know, our iPhones, computers, everything we use every single day has a microchip in it. So if there's a shortage of them, like (laughs) there's probably an opportunity there somewhere. I haven't bought into any microchip companies, but it was like, it gave you a place to start your research. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really similar. I, I honestly just take in the world around me. I know that some people, if they're, if they don't do that, they, you know, use things like stock screeners and stuff where they put in specific metrics they like, the more bottom, bottom up approach, Mm. put in specific metrics and they'll find companies that way. But I think I'm more environment into market, into industry. And can you do that, those sort of like stock screening, can you do that on your broker? Where do you actually do that? There's different um, programs you can actually use. Like I think there's a couple of paid programs. I think Simply Wall Street, which is a resource I do use, has one. I actually haven't used the stock screener. As I said, I don't really use that bottom-up approach as much. Um, But honestly, just give it a Google, stock screener. If you've got certain metrics that you want a company kind of fitting a bill, just Google it and you'll be able to find it. One thing I did want to clarify, Simply Wall Street, we are going to talk about a little bit today. Is it free? Are there parts of it that are paid? How does it work? Yeah, look, with any kind of resource, there's there's always potentially fees. There definitely are fees for Simply Wall Street, but you there is also a free part. You can you can look at five companies and like have five companies on your watch list for free. Mm, um, cool. Otherwise, it's just a monthly fee. So if you're really you know wanting to get into your investments, it's an amazing, amazing resource. So Mads, quick fire for the people. If you could give me a couple of your go-to resources, what would they be? Yeah. So I would say the core, what I talked about before, just gives me confidence around some of those financial metric bits that I don't feel so confident about learning myself. Um, The AFR, such a great go-to resource, just reading the paper, any paper for sort of understanding what's going on in the business world at the moment. And then sort of, I guess, on that same trend is news podcasts. Every morning I go squiz to the briefing to what the flux and they just give me a really good sense of what's happening so that I feel like I'm sort of across that and I can be thinking about how, you know, broader events or things that are happening at the moment might be impacting my investments or by the same notion, creating uh, investment opportunities. What about you? I will add to the podcast list. I'm a podcast person. <laughs> um, the FT News Briefing and Business Wars Daily, um, they are just adding to that list of the Squiz Briefing, What the Flux. They're all amazing resources just to give you a broader perspective. Um, as I've already mentioned, Simply Wall Street, it just has really great information about companies. It's very simple to use, very simple to understand. And if I was going to give you a book, mm, because one. I think you should... Try and pick up a book if you can at some point to read about investing. Um, The Motley Fool's Beginner Guide to Investing would be my recommendation. And now we are going to jump across to the chats with three of our community members about their go-to research processes. A very big welcome to one of our community members. Hello, Kate. How are we today? Good. Thanks, ladies. Thanks for having me. You are so very welcome. So we'll get straight into it. Kate, do you have any daily habits for getting you across the news and I guess sort of the finance news in particular each day? I do. I work in finance and naturally I would read newspaper like the Australian Financial Review and the Australian Business Review. Sometimes it may be only like five minutes, but every minute counts, I guess. <laughs> yes, very true. Do you have like a daily habit where you like open it up in the morning and put it on your computer screen before you start work or do you kind of browse it during the day? No, I'll do it before um, I open up my emails just because I know if I open up my emails, I will 
prioritize those rather than, yeah, I will never get to the paper in that case. (laughs) Your morning's done. (laughs) And do you have any tips for, I guess, making that learning process sort of less stressful or more fun? Yeah, I do. I think it's super important to find what best works for you. Um, And it doesn't have to be a task. It could be as easy as getting a coffee with a friend um, and chatting about investments. But you just need to have fun with it, I think. Um, One of the best processes my partner and I started was our own ETF pitch nights. Ooh, I love this so much. (laughs) Like it started during COVID <laughs> as a means for entertainment. So we got really bored, as you can tell. <laughs> um, but we each had to choose three ETFs and uh, each ETF had to be from a different provider, like BetaShares, iShares and Vanguard. Can we just quickly, um, we, um, for people listening, what are BetaShares, Vanguard and iShares? So they are all um, separate platforms that, pretty much offer ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds, Um, but you can find heaps of information directly through their website. It's great. They have fact sheets for each ETF, which you can find on um, the respective pages and download that. They're usually a one or two page um, summary on the actual ETF, um, highlighting all the, the main points on um, on them, which is super cool um, and concise. What kind of information is on those fact sheets that you kind of look at and you've maybe potentially been using in your pitch nights? The information on those platforms that we would also use during our pitch nights would be investment objectives um, and overviews, whether that be India-focused, emerging markets, industrials, ETFs. We'd also look at the management fees, what the benchmark or index was, um, the weightings and portfolio holdings, um, whether they were market cap or equal weighted. Um, and we would also look at why or to explain why we chose that ETF over the exact same ETF, but just on a different platform, yeah. but just why we would, <laughs> why we'd look at that. And it was great because it was just a way of learning and also identified what I wanted in an investment. So I looked at management fees and weightings and whether I wanted growth or diversification, but it was, yeah, it was, it was also good um, in that I wouldn't choose some of the ETFs that he would choose. So when he'd present them, it would be kind of like a shock to me because I'd never even look into it. So, oh, we had five to ten minutes to pitch the actual ETF um, and also answer any questions that the other had. That's the best thing about sort of chatting to other people about this stuff is ideas and things you've never thought about sort of come into light and it makes you sort of reconsider your initial thoughts. You mentioned waiting in there um, that's sort of on the fact sheets. Can you just explain really briefly sort of what you mean by that with waiting? So by market cap and equity weightings, I pretty much look at that as Um, a pie. And for an equal weighted ETF, the pie is equally broken down, whereas market cap ETF is broken down or the biggest slices are for the companies that have the biggest market cap. I was just going to say one of my first ETFs that I pitched, Maddie, was actually VAS, um, Vanguard Australian ETFs, which I saw was your first investment. 
<laughs> Great minds <Yeah>. think alike. <laughs> Absolutely. Does one of the ETFs that you guys pitched stick out as like someone pitched that really well? I pitched an ETF um, IIND, which is Big Shares India Quality ETF. And that was just different to anything I had pitched before. So I really liked it because India, high population growth, um, heaps of tech potential. Um, obviously, it's having some issues recently with COVID, but back then I thought that was a great one. But that was um, that was like a really standout pitch. Now, our last little quick fire question for you: If you could recommend one go-to source for your investing information, what would it be? I would highly recommend your brokerage platform, um, whether that be NabTrade or Comsec. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the big four have brokerage platforms. Yeah. Um, all of them do. Yeah. Um, I find them really powerful. The best part about it is you can make a watch list. Um, so even if you're interested in a company but don't really want to act on it just yet, I think add them to your watch list. Come back a couple of days later or a week later and, and go through that company again. Um, you can also set um, alerts for announcements as well. So once a company releases any um, announcements or info, it will alert you. And I find that super handy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think those platforms can be great. My housemate was actually saying the other day he's got Comsec and he watches the little market updates that, are, that happen every morning. So it's a great little video. If you're into videos, then you can watch watch that on your platform. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Kate. Thanks for having me. We are loving speaking to some of our community members today, but we will be right back after we take a quick break from our sponsors. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We are currently joined by another one of our community members, Zach. Welcome, Zach. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Soph. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, yesterday we had a bit of a chat offline about your research process and you were saying that you have some specific factors that you look for when you're deciding whether to invest in a company. So I thought if you could run through some of these factors and link them to a resource where you find that kind of information. Um, sure, of course. I'm so, I definitely do like to get into the financial metrics of the company. You know, I think what you girls call the scary, <laughs> the scary numbers. <laughs> <laughs> scary numbers. <laughs> Good, you've been listening. <laughs> I, 
definitely like to get into the scary <laughs> numbers, and I think that we won't get into exactly the nitty-gritty that I look for, but I think uh, jumping onto the ASX website and looking at all the company's financial reports, I think that's a great resource. And um, you might just want to go to the company's website and their investor center because not only will you get their financial reports, but you can start reading about about the company, about their history, about what they do, um, sometimes about their directors and um, management and all that stuff to me is pretty important. Nice. And I know that we spoke a little bit about some of the other factors um, that you look at. One of the ones I found interesting was insider investment. Can you explain, like, I guess what this is and where you kind of find that information? Yeah, I think that um, insider ownership uh, to me is really important. So that's really how many shares are held by company insiders, whether it's the board, whether it's management, CEO, whether it's employees. Um, and that basically tells me, you know, do they, does the company, do the people who run the company have skin in the game? You know, are, the, are shareholders' interests aligned with management? Um, I use a tool called Simply Wall Street. Um, it's a paid-for platform. It's really easy to use. Um, if if uh, people are interested, they can go take a look. That's usually where I get uh, my insider holding information. And what about, we did talk about how you like to look at sort of some of the metrics in particular, so maybe revenue, for example. Where do you actually find that information? So I think in terms of um, revenue and profits, you can take that straight from annual reports. So if you're getting that from the ASX or the company's website, um, they do have a, uh, say, for example, it's financial year 21. They'll also have financial year 20. Sometimes even they'll go back a third year. So you can see how things are moving on a two, three-year time scale, and maybe you get the previous year's report, kind of put them together and have a look. Are things growing? So that's from a revenue standpoint, similar to a profit standpoint. Yeah, I feel like I found that um, also in my brokerage app. You can find some of that information as well, and it's pretty easy to compare. Like you can see like year on year how things are happening I mean, I guess pretty easily, like you can identify if something's going pretty poorly and you can identify something that's going pretty well when you can, I guess, compare the year on year. Correct. Now, the last factor that we uh, also discussed was culture, which I thought was a really interesting one. Did you want to delve into that a little bit? Yeah. um, I think that a company's culture is an important um, metric and an important measure of how uh, how good a company is and the companies that I like to kind of be a part of as a shareholder, um, you know, do their employees like working there? Do they like what they do? Um, so there's a great a employee review platform called glassdoor.com. Um, so if you want to sign up, you have to leave a review of your employer. So there's just heaps and heaps of employee reviews. Um, they also they have these two metrics. One is how likely would you be to recommend working here to a friend and a CEO approval rating. Two very easy metrics to judge a company, whether um, people like working there and do people approve of their leadership. Um, and then you can also go in and have a look at you know some of the company benefits that people have posted in some of the company reviews. Um, but that basically tells me whether it's a great place to work or not. And if it's a great place to work, odds are they're probably doing good things. Yeah, I think that's a great point because at the end of the day, if people love their job and they like where they work, they're going to work harder, which means that they're going to probably perform better. So I think that's a really interesting metric and thing to look at when you're actually thinking about investing decisions. 
So, Zach, for those who maybe aren't as interested as sort of getting into um, the more heavy research and sort of digging up some of the financial statements, do you have any other tips, um, alternative ways that you've researched or ways that you've sort of spotted investment opportunities in the past? I think um, the hardest thing to do when you're getting started, especially, is knowing where to start, knowing how to filter things, knowing what to look for. I know when I started my journey, and it's a pretty common theme, is to go with what you know and you love. Um, like I look down on my feet and I see Nikes. And I look down on my basketball shorts and I see Nike. And I know I, I love and align with Nike. That was a great investment idea. And that's what put me down the path to looking more and more into the company. Um, similar with Disney, you know, I, I love my Marvel movies and Star Wars and I love all the media that they put out. So I look into a company like that and that's a nice blue chip company that helps start my portfolio. So I, I, I'd recommend just looking around what you use in your everyday life. That's a part of your life that might be a good investing idea because then you're getting value from something that you're also using. Yeah, I think that's a great point. We joked the other day that I love wearing Lululemon leggings and my friend said that her boyfriend said to her, don't buy Lululemon leggings, buy Lululemon stocks. <laughs> I'd, I'd recommend doing both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look good whilst doing sport and build up your wealth. <laughs> <laughs> So, Zach, our last question that we have been asking our community members is, are there any other resources or any of your go-to resources that you haven't mentioned that people could find useful? Um, one I probably haven't mentioned, I use a website called Seeking Alpha. Um, it's a great uh, research website specifically for American stocks. I do like to invest in America. Um, you can put together watch lists and a bit of a mini portfolio and it helps keep you up to date with news and um, alerts and you can pay for opinion pieces and things like that. Otherwise, get on you know any great brokerage app that will come out with any of your news alerts and um, company alerts. And it, as long as you can create a watch list and track the things that you're looking at. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for joining us, Zach. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys are doing. We are joined by not only our friend and one of our community members, but also our lovely producer, Sasha. Welcome, Sasha. Hi, Maddie. Hi, Sophie. <laughs> Sorry. Sasha just waved. <laughs> no one can see. <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> I should know that as a podcast producer. No, thanks for having me. So, Sasha, these days when we type sort of a company name or an ETF into Google, you can go down such a rabbit hole with all of the information that we have access to. So, do you have any tips on how to sort of navigate this? Oh, that's such a good question. So, I think usually I have an idea of what I'd like to invest in. And it, that's usually after listening to either you guys or equity mates or get started investing. And I'll go, oh, that's, that's an industry that's really interesting to me. So for a bit of context, I've only been um, investing for about six years, which probably pretty now good. sounds like a lot. <laughs> only. <laughs> I don't, it's been very, very, um, like I've just had a listed investment company the whole time, which is basically like a company that invests in other shares on your behalf, a bit like a ETF, but, uh, basically like I just try to read as much as possible. And there's been a couple of books that have like recommended screeners in them. So they'll give you like the data of what, you know, all those scary numbers at the side, they'll give you some guidelines. So on Comsec and simply Wall Street, they both have like really great 
screen is that you can put in and you can say, I want a company that's had growth for the last five years of over 10% or I want a company that doesn't have this much debt or I want a company that has this kind of revenue amount because that stuff all is important. I'm still kind of learning what's really important and what's not and trying to be more convinced about what I buy. Often what I do is I kind of like enter those screeners and while I'm looking and if the same name kind of pops up in a few different places and then I'll go to Comsec and you can download basically all of their financial reports, their company reports. You can see if there's anything that's really alarming. You can see whether people inside the company, whether the board is buying more, even though the price of the share is dropping. So I'll, I'll read those to the best of my ability. And if there's still, if I'm still kind of convinced that it's something I want to invest in, I usually go to Google News and I type in the names of the company and the CEOs and the board. And usually what I'm looking for is like uh, legal stuff, because I know from my perspective that there's often companies that look like they're doing really well or, and I've worked for them as well. Like, you know, when you're working, there's companies that are making a lot of money, but it's not very nice to work there. And you can kind of find that stuff out now online and there's a couple I won't say anything because I don't want us to get sick <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a couple of companies I can think of that um I've gone to dinner and talked to friends and been like oh I've been looking at this and they'll say oh I've heard you know they're in court settling something at the moment because the CEO has been bullying someone or or they're having troubles with this new thing and obviously there's stuff beyond management like there could be IP things like intellectual property, or there could be other holdups that obviously the company is not going to put that at the forefront in their investing documents. So I think it's important to look beyond the numbers as well. So when you're looking at your information, you've got a couple of information sources there. You mentioned Simply Wall Street, Google News, Comsec. I guess every analyst or um, every writer or anyone who puts anything out there on the internet does have differing opinions. How do you trust which sources to go to and I guess what philosophies to believe in? Oh, that's such a hard question. I think the best advice that I can, and I've read like I'm reading one up on Wall Street at the moment and I listen to all the different analysts that the guys interview. And I think what keeps coming home to me and something that I don't think I'm necessarily convinced of all the time is having conviction in a stock. And so even when it goes down, having the guts to be like, you've got your little one pager that you can be like, no, it is definitely going to make money. And so for that reason, I really lean more towards ETFs and stuff. And an example of that is like, I bought this share like a couple of weeks ago because I did all the screeners and I read all the stuff and I read all the financial documents and I was like, I think it looks okay. And then I bought it. And it went down by a cent overnight and I'm like, oh, okay. And then, and, I'm, and then I read an article the next day. It was this analyst being like, that share is sucks. No one should buy it. It's terrible. And I was like, it is terrible. And then, and I remember this um, woman that the guys interviewed like a little while ago and she was just like, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you make a mistake. And if you decide that the day after, just sell it. And so I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm already so stressed. I've already read this article that's telling me I'm wrong and I'm doubting myself. This is not worth it. Like I'm just going to sell out. And if it runs and it like makes millions of dollars, I'll just be like, oh, well, my mental health is okay. 
So I just, so I guess like that's a really long way of saying you have to learn to trust yourself and you have to learn your own perimeters. And I realized like, A, I don't like losing a thousand bucks. B, like even though I'm doing all this research and I'm reading stuff, I'm still trying to work out when I'm convinced of things. Maybe everyone thinks I'm an idiot now because I'm just like... (laughs) buying things no, I think that's selling things. very relatable to be honest and I think that's why like Sophie and I have both talked about this before but you know we do like to sort of you know trial not trial luck but you know do our research and invest in individual stocks a little bit but definitely sort of the bulk of our portfolio is ETFs and I think it's for that reason exactly yeah Sash yeah. if you could read one thing for the rest of your life what would your go-to source be <laughs> I'm just going to have to say equity rates because it's my job. That includes us, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Little plug. And also I'm a podcast fan, so I can't say that I read. Um, But I do say like every – there's an Australian Financial Review at my work and I try to flick through that every morning and – um, and then like books about investing. So I think like one up on Wall Street, I'm really enjoying. We did say one, but okay. Yeah, they say that. <laughs> I know. I get... <laughs> I'll, t- I'll cut yeah. it down and post. I'll pick one and cut it down. <laughs> I was going to say they say that every investor should read five investing books over their lifetime. doesn't need to be straight away, but you'll always pick something valuable out of a book. Yeah. So look up some investing books and, and start with one and start from there. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Ash. No problem. It's been a pleasure. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode chatting with some of our YIGC community members. We would love for you to connect with us on Instagram at YIGC Podcast or on our Facebook group at YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group and share any resources or tips that you have found useful for your investing research process. Yes, we are a community, so we want to hear about your research processes and all your go-to sources. We would also love you to take a screenshot of the episode or take a photo of where you're listening today to today's episode and share it on your Instagram and tag YICG podcast. YICG? Have we had a name change? (laughs) YIGC podcast. (laughs) And if you haven't already, we would love for you to follow or subscribe on your favourite podcast platform and leave us a review. Until next time. You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people together. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.